it's just an amazing thing. So anyway, I'm actually conjuring up and, and those are the people going into the tw in 2020 that I definitely want to connect with is people that just actually serving and not looking for, I mean, she wasn't looking for gratitude. She wasn't looking for recognition. She's not looking for news stations or anybody come out there. She's not looking for a write-off for her 501c3. She's just out there saying, hey, you know what? There's a whole lot of people hungry. I'm going to open up my kitchen. I'm going to cook it all by myself if nobody else is going to cook it with me. And then I'm going to go deliver everything by myself if I have to. And of course, her time, she, you know, with, with the fire department, she just asked to help come and deliver it and get it all out of her house so she can go get it to everyone who needed a meal, uh, which I just think is extraordinary. While everybody else stews in their own mess and their emotions and what they've been through, uh, through, uh, you know, through their time or celebrates or parties or does whatever. So I just want to acknowledge that because, you know, just like I would acknowledge any one of you doing that kind of work on a consistency, that's just, that's just beyond the call of duty that, you know, gets the blessings on the back end that God brings us. So that being said, when I jump in and I said I was going to talk about the women, so I was actually going into, I want to continue with Ruth because with Ruth, it actually covers quite a few people um, that we start with. As you, as you look at Ruth and you're looking at, you know, Ruth that goes into Naomi, Ruth that goes into Oprah, uh, Orpah, I'm sorry, um, as we talked about a couple of days ago. Um, but Naomi has a story in herself and Ruth has a story within herself, you know, and, um, there's some extraordinary stories to be talked about that I definitely want to touch into over the next four days as we get closer to the first. So in Ruth 2, we read that first, so we're fully clear on that. Um, the second book of Ruth, um, or chapter, I should say, for second chapter of Ruth, it goes in and says, and Naomi and, uh, Naomi, and Naomi had a kinsman of her husband a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elmelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who, has, who was of the kindred of Elmelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried alone in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by, by, by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they go reap and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art at thirst, go unto the vessels 
and drink of the which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto them, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been shewed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of the, uh, the native natives and art come unto a people which thou knewest not there here, heretofore. Heretofore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift over to um, another version. I'm, I have them parallel just so that I can read it so it makes sense to me. Read it like three times and it's just coming out whacked. Boaz answered her, I've heard all about you, heard about the way you've treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband, and how you left your father and mother and the land of your birth, and have come to live among a bunch of total strangers. God rewards you well for you for um, what you've done, and with a generous bonus beside from God to whom you've come seeking protection under his wings. She said, oh, sir, such grace, such kindness, I don't deserve it. You've touched my heart, treating me like one of your own, and I don't even belong here. At the lunch break, Boaz said to her, come over here, eat some bread, dip it in wine. So she, she joined the harvesters. Boaz passed the roasted grain to her. She ate it and she ate her fill and even had some leftover. Uh, when she got up to go back to work, Boaz ordered his servants, let her glean where there's still plenty of grain on the ground. Make it easy for her, better yet, pull some of the stuff out of the leaf, uh, uh, pull some of it out and leave it for her to glean. Give her special treatment. Ruth gleaned in the field until evening when she, threshed, when she threshed out what she had gathered. She ended up with nearly full, a full stack, sack of barley. She gathered up her gleanings, went back to town and showed her mother-in-law the results of her day's work. She also gave her the leftovers from her lunch. Naomi asked her, so where did you glean today? Who's filled? God bless whoever it was who took such good care of you. Ruth told her mother-in-law, the man with whom I work today, his name is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, why God, why, why God bless that man? God hasn't quite walked out on us after all. He still loves us in bad times as well as good. Naomi went on. That man, Ruth, is one of, one of our circle of covenant redeemers, a close relative of ours. Ruth, the Moabite, said, well, listen to this. He also told me, stick with my workers until my harvesting is finished. Naomi said to Ruth, that's wonderful, dear, my daughter. Do that. You'll be safe in the company of his, of, of this, of his young women. No danger now shall be, no danger now of being raped in some stranger's field. So Ruth did it. She stuck close to Boaz, young women, gleaning in the fields daily until both the barley and the wheat harvesting happened. And she continued living with her mother-in-law. And so all of this actually, let me drink something because my voice is gone. Uh, so all of this plays a part in why I was so excited about um, helping Onyx and why I want you guys to pray for her when somebody can actually go into a field or use their own resources and lean on the others. And for those that want to help contribute to what she's doing, 
um, I, I'll send you the cash out. Doesn't matter if it's $5, $500, whatever you have to be able to give because she is committed to doing this over the holidays. You know, I mean, and this scripture actually plays into a lot of parallel of it being uh, a tragedy, a love affair, everything that we talk about and everything that um, I use Onyx as an example for and I have over the years of why she would be in on Christmas Eve and sit up there and cook over a thousand meals by herself and then go out there and feed people by herself and then get the fire department to come and help her. When we go out there, we're just like, well, let's see what we can do and talk about it as a thought, you know? And I'm actually sending a lot to contribute and doing something on my own because I have had people and people that are within this family that said, well, I can come and help, I can do this. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, at first it's like you're looking for collaborative effort, but it's like, and if you don't get the efforts that you want, or if it doesn't sit right, then you're turning like, oh, okay, well, I'll do something. I mean, it's something that you just, some things you just have to go and do that fit in your heart on your own because it just hurts you so much. It's, it has to go beyond the thought. And that's why even yesterday's um, uh, scripture, the day before yesterday, it's what we actually step out and put our action behind our mouth to actually do, right? And that's why it's, it's so hard to even get back into church when you get out, get back into the gym when you get out, get back into prayer when you get out, get back into scripture when you get out. And we have to create a habit of doing the things we do, not just because it's holidays, but because it's just, it's, it's a holy day every day, you know, and that we celebrate Christ's life every day and our being able to wake up every day and our being able to bless other people because we are blessed every day. So the breakdown of this as I get into it, and it goes into, uh, and, and the title of this is Ruth, Ruth's work as a gleaner. See, Ruth gleans in Boaz's field before this actually matures in three and four. And you gotta recognize that actually the book of Ruth is only four chapters. It's a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful book. The whole thing about Boaz is a story in itself. Naomi had a kinsman. Naomi was related to this man, Boaz. Sammy, that's you, see? <laughs> this is kidding. Do that. I was doing good, doing scripture, prayer, meditation all night without any interruptions. Now we're going to just close it out. Um, Naomi was late, related to this man Boaz through, his, uh, through her deceased husband, Elmelech. Uh, we don't know exactly how this came about, but we do know that there was a relationship, a man of great wealth. During the time of famine, when Elmelech and Naomi and their whole family had left the promised land and went to Moab, Boaz had stayed behind, and God provided for him. In fact, God made Boaz a man of great wealth. See, 10 years before, Naomi and her family made a choice. And it was a choice made in a hard time, a time of famine. But they didn't have to make the wrong choice. They did. Uh, the people of Bethlehem had not perished from hunger. They were still there. And they were still blessed more than Naomi's family. Sometimes we justify wrong choices because of difficult circumstances. But God will strengthen us and bless us to make the right choice, even in difficult times. The exact expression, rendered a mighty man of wealth, is elsewhere translated a mighty man of valor. Uh, we perhaps get the force of it by thinking of our word, knight. Uh, a kinsman, this introduces an important word in the book of Ruth, uh, the ancient Hebrew word, goel. It's uh, to say that 
Boaz was a goel, a kinsman, was more than saying he was a relative. It was saying that he was a special family representative. He was a chieftain in the family. As you look at two through three, Ruth uh, happens upon Boaz's field. Leviticus 19, by the way, goes in and commanded farmers in Israel that they should not completely harvest their fields. Uh, they were commanded to cut corners in harvesting and always leave some behind. Also, if they happened to drop a bundle of grain, they were commanded to leave it on the ground and not pick it up. This was one of the social assistance programs in Israel. Farmers were not to completely harvest their fields so the poor and needy could come by and glean the remains for themselves. That's the way they fed the hungry and the homeless is leaving stuff behind for the rest to be able to come and get it. It's a wonderful way of helping the poor. It commanded the farmers to have a generous heart and it commanded the poor to be active and work for their food and a way for them to provide for their own needs with dignity. Then she left. So Ruth, on her own initiative, set out to glean in the fields to support her and her mother-in-law, Naomi. This showed a wonderfully working, a hardworking spirit in Ruth, and it was spiritual as well. She also not had not only been more spiritual to sit, I mean, sit back and just, I mean, pray and hope that something happens, as you see people sitting on a corner just with their hand out. They don't even wash windows anymore. See, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. It says that Ruth happened to come to the place that, uh, to that place, and certainly that it is how it seemed to her. But it was not how it actually came to pass. Ruth came to the field because God was guiding her. Uh, this shows us some of the wonderful ways in which uh, the invisible hand of God actually works. If Ruth would have stayed home and waited for a spiritual feeling, she probably might have waited a long time and still probably would have not gone to the right place. Instead, Ruth experienced the very natural moving of the supernatural hand of God. Many times when we are walking in the spirit, we can only see the invisible hand of God by looking back. If we spend too much time trying to look for his hand ahead of us, we can make problems for ourselves. Hence, people thinking in their own head and coming up with interpretations consistently about situations, circumstances that are so far off the mark because they're waiting for a sign from God in the spirit instead of just watching in their own instinctive thought process where God is guiding them. They're, and that's hence common sense. This shows us something. The Lord be with you. This shows us the heart and character of Boaz. Apparently, his workers loved him and had a good relationship with him. You can often tell the real character of a man in authority by seeing how he relates to his staff and how they think of him. Hence, I do my best to make sure I serve my team at the highest level of frequency in every regard. And she said, please let me glean and gather. As the supervision reported to Boaz, he told of Ruth's submissive attitude. There's a sense in which gleaning was hers by right. After all, she could have quoted Leviticus 19 back and, and you know, right back at him. And she said kindly and properly asked for the right to gather in his field. But it was God's purpose, it was God's hand, it was her instinct that got her all the blessings by just listening. So she came and have continued from morning until now. See, Ruth may not have known it, but she was under inspection. The supervisor was looking at what kind of job she did, and she was, and she was impressed, that, uh, and the, the overseer, if you will, 
uh, and, and the boss of this, was impressed that she did a great job. Not a good job, but a great job. And the fact that she did a great job was important because it made a good impression on Boaz. Uh, we are under inspection when we do things for people and how we show up for people and how we gift people with whatever resources we have. At times when we don't know it, we are being watched by others to see how we will walk with God and what they will see will make a difference. If you look at eight through nine, Boaz speaks kindly to Ruth. Stay close by my young women. These were Boaz's female field workers who tied together the cut stalks of grain. Boaz told Ruth to stay close to them so she would be well taken care of. Do not go to glean in another field. God was blessing Ruth already and all because he guided her to Boaz's field. Boaz knew that if Ruth stayed in his fields, she would be blessed and find everything that she needed. Now watch this. Stick with me. In Boaz's field, Ruth would find companionship. In Boaz's field, Ruth would find protection. In Boaz's field, Ruth would find refreshment. Refreshment is when you're thirsty. Protection, have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? Companionship among the young women. The kindness of Boaz was wonderful at this time. We have no indication of a romantic attraction at this point of what's going on. It does happen, but nothing was going on at this point between Boaz and Ruth. And we have no idea how Ruth looked, even if she was pretty, she was probably pretty raggedy, if you would think, especially after working the whole day, even if she was walking, she gotta be raggedy. Come on now, stick with me here. But there's beauty way beyond the actual sight of the eye, right? Because Boaz extended his kindness to her in a way that no man ever did. We find it pretty easy to be kind to others when we can see the potential payoff or how they look or how they make up or put their makeup on or how they dress up or how they show up. And, you know, it's like you meet so many people. It's like, oh, I, I can't be seen. My hair isn't dead. Oh, I can't be seen. I didn't put on my lipstick. Oh, I got to put on my blush. Oh, I got a pimple. I got to put something on it. I don't think Boaz saw any of that because, uh, you know, she was already coming on the back end of, of the workers. She was already being taken care of by his, 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 his cast of women. And, and then you're talking about a whole day of working. She had to be sweaty, dirty. I mean, that's an eye God gives you to see beauty way beyond, you know, what we see on 90% of men and women. Like, ooh, look at that. Oh, hold on. Let me, hey, let me, hey, hey, baby, what's your name? So I'm just sharing with you, you know, it, it, you got to go into the character of a person. See, I, I mean, there's people that would just jump into your life and create, they, they just, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking of a circumstance currently, this person, oh my God, it's like, whenever they don't get the response they want, they are triggered consistently. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm just like inches away, like I'm really not trying to cut you off, but you are just really just pushing an envelope. You know, and it's not just one, it's they, they come in, you know, people that just aren't balanced in their own life and things. Remember I told you about the measurement of how you measure the character of a man or a woman. If you have a million dollar problem, then a hundred dollar problem doesn't bother you. And I use that as a metaphor, not about money, but about things in a person's life. When you keep getting triggered by little things and don't get what you want, it's like if you're focused in on building your life for God's kingdom, 
and you're amassing a fortune. And when I say fortune, again, metaphorical, a fortune to be able to bless others in God's kingdom, then the right people are going to be able to see you in the field. They're going to be able to see you doing your work. They're going to be able to see you doing what you need to do. They don't talk to you for a day, two days, three days. They, if they don't understand, they aren't supposed to be in your life, and especially if it's in the courtship, because there's just because there's a growing stage of being able to understand. When I say courtship, I'm not talking man and woman. I'm talking man to man, woman to woman. I'm talking man to pastor. I'm talking pastor to, to the person in the, in the pulpit. Are you guys following me on this so far? Stick with me in this conversation. I mean, I'm talking about in your business, in your organization. You guys bring in some people, and it's just like, every time there's some kind of issue or some kind of drama i'm like i'm so committed to drama free life let go let god you know bring kim into the picture as quickly as you can jesus because i'm just like look i got too much to do i mean i'm i mean if each one of you and i know that it's not just this is definitely not about me i know some of you are doing a whole lot for a whole lot of people even if it's one or two people you're still doing a whole lot some of you are just doing what you got to do for yourself. And it's like, you know, if you can't get a day to yourself to just find yourself or put out a fire for yourself, I mean, I'm dealing with mama, I'm dealing with Cam, but beyond that, the organization, me, it's just the things you have to do, they shouldn't need to be, you shouldn't have to justify them, nor should you have to always explain them. Just look, I had a whole lot going on and the right people will still be there for you. It's kind of like if you're running a marathon, you know, the right people gonna be there. It's like, why did it take you so long to run the marathon? It was a marathon, fool. You know, it's like, <laughs> Jesus, you know, the right people gonna be there at the end of the marathon or come and help you along through the marathon. But to ask how, why did it took me, why you come in last place? Golly, this was a long, long, yeah, I mean, are you done yet? Did you finish what you needed to do yet? How many things you gotta do? As many as you gotta do, just get it done. Take, you can't, you gotta do self-preservation because you can't bless or help nobody else if your stuff is not together, you know? If you keep getting interrupted to doing your stuff, you know, you might wanna get rid of the interruptions. So uh, look at it and number uh, five, yes? Oh, that's Dave. Dave, somebody yelling in your background. You guys better meet yourself. I didn't meet you guys this morning. Okay, so, <laughs> David, was that your mom? Boy, come on over here. It sounded like somebody yelling for me. Boy, you can get, get over here. Anyway, so Ruth thanks Boaz in 10 through 13. Yes, I'm having fun this morning. I'm sorry, I had to get my voice back because I haven't slept. I've been working by candlelight. Uh, Ruth thanks Boaz for his kindness. Uh, why have I found favor in your eyes? Ruth's altitude was wonderful. Her attitude was wonderful. Her longitude was wonderful. Some of us would say, well, it's about time someone noticed. I've been working hard all day. Now God will give me the blessings I deserve. That's the wrong conversation, wrong attitude. See, we never see Ruth asking why all the hard things have come upon her in her life. Instead, she asks why this good thing has come. This is a significant difference in attitude of most people. Most people are like, well, when is mine going to come? When's my blessing? When am I going to get my break? When am I going to get my position? When am I going to get my part? When am I going to get my movie? Whatever it is, you know, instead of just Oh, wow. Thank you for getting me just on this stage of, you know, this, this, this front. Thank you for just getting me in this environment. Thank you. Thank you for just surrounding me with these people that think, you know, we're missing it. And I say we generally, obviously, since I'm a foreigner, she said, this was constantly on Ruth's mind. She was a Moabitess and not an Israelite. 
She knew that on the basis of national background, she didn't belong. This made Boaz's kindness to her all the more precious. See, the Bible says that we should be kind to the strangers among us, but this is also something that should be applied on a whole nother level. Since our society is no longer structured around the family, though it should be, for many people, their most important circle of associations is their friends. Uh, sociologists call this tribalization. You'll hear people now saying, this is my tribe. We become part of a little tribe, a little circle of friends. The command to love the stranger means that we should not only associate with those of our own tribe. It's amazing. I was having a conversation recently. I can't even, I'm glad I can't even remember the face who was saying it. It was like, I'm only dealing with the people that I know going in next year. I don't need no extra new people in my life. I was like, you just subtracted yourself. I deleted that file. That's probably why I can't even remember the name right now. But it goes on and says that we should always welcome those outside of our tribe. See, it has been, if you look at it, it says, it has been reported to me. This is a dynamic of a small town life. Everybody knows everybody else's business, yet it also shows the root devotion to Naomi mattered. It was noticed. See, the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given, uh, given you by the Lord God of Israel. Fittingly, Boaz encouraged Ruth as if he, I'm sorry, encouraged Ruth as if she were a new convert to the God of Israel. In many ways, Ruth stands as an example of a new convert. Uh, conversion is what we're talking about here. Listen to what I'm saying here. She puts her trust in God of Israel. She has left her former associates. She has come in among strangers. She was very low in her own eyes. She found protection under the wings of God where there was refuge. See, in the same way, older Christians should be like Boaz unto younger Christians who are like Ruth as we have many people that have joined us that are new to God, new to Christ, and don't have a full understanding. See, when we look at this, I want you to make a point of looking out for young converted Christians and speaking to them godly words and comfortable words, not things that are trying to be over their head or I've been in the word or I've, I've, I know God, I've been in the Bible this long. It's no, no, no. Make them comfortable because that's our job. That's, that's more of our ability to respond. That is our responsibility whereby they may be cheered and strengthened. And that should be within our organization and our family that you are looking out for the newest so that we can strengthen them within the pack. Significantly through these words were said to Ruth, they were also a prayer unto God for Ruth. See, we Christians should pray for one another. And that's why I said pray for Onyx and anybody else that's out there doing God's work beyond the call of just taking care of your family, cooking and having dinner and giving thanks and being grateful. What are we doing beyond all those to be able to show this is within us and within our walk? Now, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge, Boaz especially knew of Ruth's commitment to God of Israel. This was his way of showing kindness and encouragement to a young believer in the Lord, under whose wings, you know, we've talked about that over the last months. This is a beautiful picture here. The imagery is probably that of a tiny bird snuggling under the wings of a foster mother. It gives a picture of a trust and a security, that of Psalm 17, 8. Let me find favor in your sight. This was a polite way of saying thank you to Boaz. Ruth was almost overwhelmed by his kindness and was polite enough to say thank you. 
See, at 14, 16, Boaz continues to show great favor. Did you, did your bread, dip your bread in the vinegar, is what it says. Dip your bread in the vinegar. Perhaps now, we see the first hint of a romance right here. Dip your bread in the vinegar. Y'all keep your mind on track with what I'm saying. Don't go, with, don't go off, off, off rails here, okay? Boaz showed great kindness and favor to Ruth at a mealtime. It would be enough to have just invited her, but he also invited her to share fully in the meal, even the privileging of dipping. She ate and was satisfied and kept some back. Ruth also may be awakened to some romance towards Boaz. She kept some back. She did not eat all that was offered to her. You'd be amazed. I don't know any women that don't eat everything. I know some women eat everything on the plate. Um, anyway, okay, I'm sorry. I just had a Tourette's. Meaning that she didn't want to seem like a greedy eater in front of Boaz, and she was sensible enough to take some home to Naomi. Ruth was satisfied because she answered the generous invitation of Boaz. She was not one of the reapers, but she sat beside the reapers and ate as if she was one of them. And she ate and was satisfied. In the same way, those outside of the kingdom of God and its promises can sit among the reapers at the invitation of Jesus. And by faith, they can eat and be satisfied. She did eat and was satisfied. Your head shall be satisfied with the precious truth which Christ reveals. Your heart shall be content with Jesus. As the altogether lovely object of affection, your hope shall be satisfied. For whom have you in heaven but Christ? Your desire shall be satisfied. For what can even the hunger of your desire wish for more than to know Christ and to be found in him. You shall find Jesus, fill your conscience till it is at perfect peace. He shall fill your judgment till you know the certainty of his teachings. He shall fill your memory with the recollections of what he has already done and fill your imagination with the prospects of what he is yet to do. Ye shall be satisfied. See, let her glean even among the sheaves. This was more generous than the commandment was in Leviticus 19.9. Boaz would allow Ruth to take some from among the already gathered sheaves of grain. Let some grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. This was also beautiful. Boaz wanted to bless Ruth, but he didn't want to dishonor her dignity by making her a charity case. It's a powerful thing to be able to do that for people, to be able to bless them and not look down on them, but not just you not look down on them, but not allow anybody else to even see that they're in a lowly place. So he allowed some grain to fall, supposedly on accident so that she could pick it up. As you look at 17, 18, she brings home the day's fruits to Naomi. Ruth reports the day's events to Naomi. Listen to me here. Watch me, watch me, watch me. See, when you understand this, yes, God blessed Ruth. Yes, people were generous at, to her. At the same time, she did work, hard work. This was a sun up and sun down approach. Ruth worked hard all day. 
we should use Ruth's example to glean everything we can from the word of God today. This is what I want you to take home. This is what I want you to get from what I'm saying. Ruth worked hard. She had amazing work ethic. Ruth had to stoop to gather every grain. Nothing was below her to be able to do what she had to do to feed herself and those that she loved around her. Ruth could only pick up one grain at a time. That means she had to have a lot of patience. Ruth had to hold on to each grain and not immediately drop it. That means she had to take a lot of care throughout the entire day. Ruth took the grain home and threshed it. She then had to do a second process on it before she could do anything with it. Ruth took the thresh, thresh grain and windowed it. Guess what that means? There was a third process before she could even eat it. Ruth was nourished by the grain and it fed her all the time through. Listen to what I'm saying. It was about an ephah of barley. This was about a five and one half gallon ton. Listen to what I'm saying. An ephah of barley. It's, that's the scripture. This was about five and one half gallon tub. That's about 22 liters. For those of you who are on the other side of the world that do the metric system, 22 liters of barley. Do you know what one liter of water looks like? This is 22 liters that she had to go and work on. A wonderful day of work. That's what she had. Of that whole process I just told you, she did 22 liters of that by hand. That was her work ethic. Gave to her what she had kept back. Besides all the barley grain, Ruth brought Naomi the food left over from the meal with Boaz. Notice she didn't finish the whole meal. This was obviously a blessing for Naomi. Now, 19 through 23, Naomi praises God for his goodness to her and Ruth. Now, and her mother-in-law, I want you to get this because I'm close out on this. This is the last piece right here. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he, he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives, as a matter of fact. Ruth the Moabite said, he also said to me, you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his, young, with, with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Blessed be the name of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. See, is this the same women who came into town saying, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me, Ruth 1.20. Is this the same woman who said, the Almighty has afflicted me, 1.21. Of course, of course it is, Claro. Now she seems more of God's plan because she's back in his fold, unfolding, peeling back the layers, 
being in the right field, being in the right space, being around the right people, and being in a space to be blessed so that she can be a blessing. She can see better how all things work together for the good of those who what? Love the Lord. It is good, my daughter. Of course, Naomi told the truth. Stay with this man, Boaz. Not only was he generous, he was one of our near kinsmen, our chieftains, the, the important of which will be unfolded in the next two chapters over the next couple of days. Oh, man. And I approve this chapter. I hope it's feeding y'all as it's feeding me because it's definitely a, definitely, 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 definitely a scripture that needs to be understood. I approve.